Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar, Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. I want you to imagine the future. The year is 2024. Taylor Swift is head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Mitch McConnell has been frozen for 487 consecutive days. And Joe Biden is up for re-election against a twice-impeached convicted felon. And even though the polls show a dead heat right now, Vice President Kamala Harris is feeling pretty confident. The Biden-Harris ticket is running neck and neck with Donald Trump. Why are you not 30 points ahead? When the American people are able to take a close look at election time on their options, I think the choice is going to be clear. Bill, we're going to win. Let me just tell you that. We're going to (laughs) win. Will you, Kamala? Will you? Because I just took a poll of that man's face, and it's not looking good. (laughs) Regardless of what uh, Kamala says, Democrats are clearly nervous about this election, and they should be. Because, yeah, Biden has accomplished a lot. Historic investments in green energy, record-breaking job growth, and he even got a black woman on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with a 6'3 conservative majority, she's powerless there, but... She at least got a free rope. But despite Biden's record as president, it's still close, which is a hell of a thing. You think running against someone who has 91 felony charges against him, who you already beat, would be a pretty easy victory. So the question is, how the actual f*** is Joe Biden losing to Donald Trump? I have a theory, and it's something I want to discuss more in tonight's Long Story Short. Now, when Joe Biden first ran for president in 2020, it was a lot simpler. Campaigning is easy. Just make a bunch of promises. It's like when you're about to move into a new building and the landlord is all nice, promising he'll fix this, paint that, but then you move in and he goes missing like black news anchors on CNN. I mean, they're basically gone, but... The point is, once you get the job, you actually have to follow through on those promises. And whatever the reasons, out of the 99 biggest promises Biden made to people, he's only following through on about 30 percent of them. That's a 70 percent rate of letting you down. You can't spit any game with those numbers. Hey, girl, you want to come over? I promise that only seven times out of 10, you'll leave unsatisfied. (laughs) But the other three, ooh, it's on. There's some ladies that will take that deal right now. Uh, But yeah, Biden has let people down. He promised not to drill for oil in Alaska. Now he's doing it. He said he would never build more border wall, but that's exactly what he's doing. And again, all presidents break promises. George H.W. Bush said, no new taxes. 
Obama said he'd close Guantanamo. FDR said he'd take a stand for the working man. <laughs> but he was in a wheelchair the whole time. Uh, America can forgive all that, but one thing America doesn't forgive is weakness. They want to see you fighting for your goals. And on some key issues, Biden seems to be waving the white flag. President Biden today is explaining why he thinks he had no choice but to approve new oil drilling in Alaska. My strong inclination was to disapprove of it across the board. But the advice I got from counsel was that if that were the case, I may very well lose that case in court to the oil company. I have gone the full extent of my executive authority to do on my own anything about guns. And so, so what can you do? So I can't do anything except plead with the Congress to act reasonably. Mr. President, Mr. President, can you be specific about what you did to try to reappropriate those border funds, especially when Democrats controlled both chambers of Congress? Only the wall thing? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, sir. Yeah, they passed. Well, I was told that I had no choice. I was told I have no choice. I was told I have no choice. By who? Aren't you the president? If someone tells you no, just show them a picture of a drone. End the conversation. But see, that's why I think Biden loses so many people. He just looks weak, and I'm not talking about physically. People want to see their president going to the mat to get what he wants. And it doesn't help that anytime Biden does take a strong stand on something, his staff comes out to say he didn't mean it. The White House is back in cleanup mode over another round of confusing comments made by the president. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. The White House rushed out to walk it back, saying the president's comments do not mark a change in policy toward the administration's handling of the virus. President Biden delivered a fiery speech in Warsaw, perhaps carried away by the moment. Biden seemed to call for an end to Vladimir Putin's rule. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Secretary of State Antony Blinken quickly walked back Biden's words. We do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. President Biden stirring controversy over comments that he made about defending Taiwan. To be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. The White House walked that back almost immediately, saying our policy hasn't changed on Taiwan. Mm, God damn. It's amazing how often Joe Biden has to walk things back, considering he can barely walk forwards. <laughs> so voters, especially progressive voters, have seen Biden give up or get overruled. To be fair to Biden, not on everything, though, like student loan relief. The Supreme Court said he couldn't do it, but Biden's been finding ways because that's how much he cares about bribing young people to vote for him. But on too many issues, he's rolling over. Now, say what you will about Trump. You might not agree with any of his policies, but you've probably noticed he fights for them. He even fights for the ones that are stupid as hell. Sinks, toilets, and showers. You don't get any water. I call my people, environmental people, why are we doing this? Because when you wash your hands, it takes you five times longer. You know, the water's not coming. You got soap, you can't get it off. You go into the shower, right? You turn on the water, drip, drip. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times. 10 times, right? 10 times. Not me, of course, not me. But you, him. He's he's so dangerous, but so entertaining. Uh, Trump's the only president to get his daily intelligence briefing from everyone poops, okay? (laughs) 
The point is, that's why many people like Trump. He fights. He's not going to let something like congressional red tape or judicial rulings or even the Constitution itself stop him from getting what he wants. The man fought to stay in power after he lost the election. Who does that? <laughs> Gangsters. <laughs> and America's got a thing for that gangster shit. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want the president to break the law or stage a coup to get what he wants, but voters are attracted to strength. So long story short, if Biden and the Democrats want to retain power in the next election, stop telling us how much you are not like Trump. And maybe in this one way, just one way, start acting like gangsters. Fight like hell on the things you care about instead of rolling over and throwing up your hands. America wants a president to fight for them the same way the Alabama Riverboat crew fights for each other. And if you don't understand that, to quote President Biden, you ain't black, all right? When we come back, Arthur Doug Melville will be joining me on the show, so don't go anywhere. Benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an author whose new book is called Invisible Generals, Rediscovering Family Legacy in a Quest to Honor America's First Black Generals. Please welcome Doug Melville. Doug, my guy. How we doing tonight? How's everything? Man, bless black and highly favored. How you feeling, right. brother? I'm feeling just the same. Now, Invisible Generals, uh, this book was partially inspired by you going to see Red Tails. Yeah. And you hated it. Uh, I, well, when I went to go see a screening for Red Tails, uh, the main character in the movie, who was played by Terrence Howard, uh, is actually like the patriarch and center of our family. So when he came out and his name was changed, mm -hmm. uh, I got really upset about it. I went home and I talked to my dad about it. And he said, Doug, if you think changing a name in a movie is bad, let me tell you the family story to let you know how I lived. And then maybe you could see why that doesn't mean as much to me as it means to you. And he shared with me the family story of wow. the Invisible Generals. Um, and that's what was the impetus for me to write my book. Tell us, tell us who the Invisible Generals are. So the Invisible Generals are America's first two black generals, uh, a father and a son, General Benjamin O. Davis Sr. and General Benjamin O. Davis Jr. And these two men at the start of World War II were the only two black officers in the whole United States military out of wow. 335,000 people. And they worked together to help desegregate the military, create the Tuskegee Airmen, and so many more things. Mm -hmm. But their story had never been told, and it was my passion to go out and write it. That's right. <laughs> Going back to Red Tails for a second, why do you think a lot of military movies struggle with getting the history right? I think um, the challenge with Red Tails is that when people look at it, they feel that it's true American history, but it's actually just the facade of that. It actually is an amalgamation of the stories. Mm -hmm. And um, not paying the families and using different fictional names allows you to have a little bit more with the storytelling. Mm -hmm. But then the families feel a certain way because this is how people recognize 
the story, yet the families aren't compensated and the stories that are actually happening are never really told. So just a way uh, to not pay y'all, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way to not pay us. <laughs> did, did, did George Lucas or the writer interview you or other family members when crafting the story? No. Some other Tuskegee Airmen were contacted, but my family in particular was not contacted, mm -hmm. which I thought, you know, as the commander and the creators of the Tuskegee Airmen, um, I thought that there would be a little bit more... Um, you know, effort to go reach out to the family, but yeah. that wasn't the case in this movie. Why do you think Hollywood likes to gloss over the real stories of African-Americans in the military? Like, don't get me wrong, I love movies like Major Pain, but I'm sure there was like, <laughs> I'm sure yeah, there's like a real a black major story <laughs> that, 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 that was ignored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge with this is uh, I think the people that are the decision makers have a certain narrative or a certain a formula that works really well for them. But if you ask me, the story of the Tuskegee Airmen and particularly the Invisible Generals uh, is one of the greatest American stories ever told. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to encourage people to go out and actually get their own family stories and talk to the individuals on the couch That's and right. say, tell me what happened. And then also take the effort to write the narrative because whoever writes the narrative or photographs the narrative owns the copyright. Oh. So if it's not the family learning, and this is what I want to tell all veterans and all family of veterans, your story is in the public domain. You don't actually control it or own it. If a journalist tells it what? and writes it, they take control of the narrative. So it was important for me as a family member to say, I am going to take control of this narrative and I am going to write it so the actual words and history that happened can be told in an accurate way. Wow. Um, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people think movies and books like this glorify war, but how do the stories of veterans do the opposite? Actually, the stories of veterans are really stories of leadership and mm -hmm. stories of the United States of America. I think we need to look more as what defines an American, not always chop it up into different subsets, but actually look at these as American stories. Um, and then I think when we have that set, then we can look at these stories as a way to unify. I think leadership is an important quality that all veterans have. Mm -hmm. And many veterans go on to work in the private sector, but we don't talk about their military service. You know, Coach K graduated from West Point, but you think of him as the coach of Duke basketball. You don't look at him as a veteran. Oh, and, that's uh, probably why he, yeah, he learned how to be such a disciplinarian. Exactly, yeah, and that's yeah. why his leadership was taken from what he learned at the academy. So it's important to realize a lot of veterans aren't, you know, walking around in fatigues they're actually everyday people, CEOs, people that spent time supporting their country, and now is their opportunity to do it in the private sector. Uh, in the book, you tell the story of getting West Point to name their new barracks after your great uncle, Ben, mm -hmm. and that happened around the same time people started tearing down Confederate statues. Do you think that movement had an impact on getting the military to honor, uh, Ben? I do. I actually think that was a very unique moment in time where there was a lot of statues coming down, um, particularly of um, Lee, so that was the person who was kind of the center point of it, Robert E. Lee. And during they knew you weren't talking about Lee Daniels. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Robert E. Lee, yeah. <laughs> Lee Daniels, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> but Robert E. Lee had the statues. And this was a unique opportunity because West Point at that time had nothing named after mm -hmm. a black graduate. So this was a chance for them to, they were building their biggest, largest barrack. There was three names up for consideration. And when I went and told them the story of the Invisible Generals as I had researched it, they named the building after him. And it's the largest barracks on the middle center of the West Point campus. Wow, 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 wow. Now, 
This is interesting. After your grandfather served, he worked for the Department of Transportation, mm -hmm. and he basically created the speed limit. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, actually, this is a great story. So, after he left the military in, in uh, 1970, uh, he worked for the Department of Transportation, and in that role, he created uh, the TSA, what became the TSA Airport Security. He created the United States Air Marshal Program to keep the sky safe, and they, he was so successful <laughs> wow. that they asked him to do it for transportation, not aviation, and that's where he led the creation of the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. So these were all created by one guy, and we don't even know who he is. Is impossible for me to comprehend. The speed limit and the TSA? Yeah. Well, what is now known as the TSA? Yeah, what is yeah. it called back then? Did they even have a name for it? Security. Security. <laughs> <laughs> Should there be more outreach to servicemen and women of color now to encourage them to write and tell their own stories, to make sure their stories aren't lost? Yeah, I think every single veteran, and, and, and even if you're not a veteran, if there's a veteran in your family, or even if you have someone in your couch who wasn't serving but lived a really different life, we should go and ask our ancestors and our relatives, you know, what did you go through and what are their stories? Legacy is so important. Man. We are driven by the generational collateral that our families laid out before us, but we don't even know what that is. The greatest stories in America are sitting on our couches. The greatest stories in America could be from families of veterans. I didn't serve, but it's so important that we take this time because we only have so much time and we take the stories from our family. We own the stories from our family and we put them down on paper so our legacy can be preserved in an accurate way. Man, what you're saying is so true, man. And, and, and you make me think like, you, you make me think that, sadly, a lot of our great stories are, you know, homeless, you know, sitting on the corner yeah, our stories asking us for change while yeah. they're holding up a, a, a sign telling us that they fought in the war, which pisses me off. I hate how this country treats its veterans, man. Yeah, and we could do a lot more for the veterans, and it's everyday things, you know, going to read to veterans, donating time, but also money, grants. There's so many things we could do, but it starts with first knowing your legacy and knowing the stories of the people in your living room and then going ahead and saying, how can I now take my generational collateral and add to the narrative and help others like they helped us? Oh, let's expound on that just a little. Veterans Day is coming up. Yep, uh, Veterans Day comes to 11-11. Yep. 11-11 at 1-11. How do you think we could best memorialize and celebrate these heroes? I think the best thing we can do for Veterans Day to start off, visit a museum, Go support a VA, go to a VFW, which is a veteran, a foreign war outpost. Do something that you can do to lend a helping hand. If you don't have the money, dedicate your time. If you don't have the time, let your staff off so they can spend their time. But there's always something more we can do, and it's the least we can do for people who fought for the United States of America. That's right, man. man. Explore more shows from The Daily Show Podcast Universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central Podcast. Jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar, Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.